It's summer here in Australia and after some good rain our veggie patch is going great. So it's time to start preparing for the glut that's coming. Welcome to the Homesteading Roller Coaster. My name is Ilaria and in this podcast I share my family's adventures on Tatum Hills Farm our property on Ngunnawal country, just outside of Canberra, Australia. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize the continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. In this podcast, we discuss anything to do with farm life, homesteading, sustainable living, growing your own and much more. So let's get started. If you've never grown your own veggies, you're totally missing out. Growing veggies can be quite easy and it doesn't require any land. You can do it in containers on your balcony if you have to. But of course, if you have a little bit of room, you can scale up. And that was actually one of our dreams when we moved to Acreage, was to really increase the size of our veggie garden. As we found, growing veggies in the country, it's a little bit harder than growing them in town for a number of reasons. First of all, we're highly limited by the amount of water. In town, we had town water, whereas here we have only the tanks. So we're limited by the amount of water that we can collect in our tanks. We're really lucky and we have a good bore or a well, so we can use that if we're really stressed for water. But that is not the best water for our veggies. It's high in iron and high in salt. So it's not great for the soil. Usually we have enough in our tanks. And if it's a reasonable year like this year seems to be, there's enough rainfall to sustain at least some of our veggie growth. The other trouble we're having here is that there's so much wildlife. And don't get me wrong, we love the wildlife. But when it comes to growing veggie, that can be a bit of a problem. And just to add to the problem, we have heaps of animals of our own who also want to eat our veggies. So our veggies are under multiple layers of netting and fencing and so on. But once you've got that sorted out, it's not that difficult. The quick lessons that we've learned over time, which are not um, groundbreaking truths, they're well known, is that yes, the soil is really the thing that matters the most. If you have amazing soil with great compost in it, then your veggies will grow. So really focus on your soil, on composting as much as you can and adding that compost to your garden, adding manures from whatever animals you have and really mulching really, really thickly with whatever materials you have. They could be hay or autumn leaves or, you know, rocks if you have to, or wood chips, just anything to cover the soil and make sure you retain that moisture. We've also had some good luck with wicking beds. Wicking beds are a big topic, probably a whole other podcast, but basically they have water coming from the bottom. They're like a self-watering pot on a larger scale. So we've found some good ways of growing veggies and we're having a great time. But what I really wanted to focus on, on in this podcast is what to do with all the veggies that come up and all at once. So ideally, 
you go and plan your plantings so you stagger your plantings so you don't end up with all your veggies at the same time but still summer is a time when there is a lot of produce and so um, you need to do something with it because the last thing you want to do is waste that amazing produce that you've put so much effort into and mind you this is a fantastic problem to have but I just wanted to share a couple of ideas of what we do with our excess produce just so that you can uh, be confident that no matter how well your garden goes you will be able to put all the veggies to good use. The first and friendliest way to deal with your excess veggies is to just give them away to family and friends. It's a lovely way to, for example, meet your neighbors or swap for other produce that you might not have. So we've done that in past years. We've often been at the receiving end of the veggies because our veggie patch has been a bit up and down over the past few years. But we always have a good supply of eggs and a good supply of goat's milk. So those are things that we've been able to trade for veggies and now this year we've been able to swap some zucchini for example for veggie scraps that we can then compost to put back into the cycle we're also giving loads of zucchini and soon tomatoes to our friends and family so those are just great ways to create community and share your bounty and it's also the easiest and quickest way it doesn't require really any extra work on your part some people who live in town here in um, Canberra also put just their veggies out and you can just pick them. They just put a sign that says free food and people can just grab it off um, a table that they put out in front of their home. It wouldn't really work here all that well just because our road is not um, very uh, frequented. There's not many people here. Um, but definitely if you're in town, that would be a lovely thing to do and it might inspire somebody else to pay it forward. So that's the easiest way. The other way that usually comes to mind when you're thinking about preserving the harvest is canning. I've done a bit of canning, um, but I'm now doing less and less. So the main reason why is, first of all, there are two different types of canning. There is a pressure canning, which is recommended for veggies, apart from tomatoes, and generally things that are not very acidic. And then there's water bath canning, which is much easier and quicker, requires a lot less equipment, and is recommended for tomatoes and fruit in general. And the water bath canning is the one that I've done in the past, but there is always a little bit of a danger of botulism. So you have to be careful and make sure that your solution that you're putting your veggies or fruit in, um, your tomatoes or your fruit in, is acidic enough. Now, in my research, when I was doing um, canning, I read somewhere that the today's varieties of tomatoes are not as acidic as they used to be. And so it's no longer safe to just can tomatoes as is but you have to add either lemon juice or citric acid to increase the acidity of your product so I did that just to be on the safe side but the resulting source was just so um, acidic that in the end we had to add sugar when we had to use it and that kind of defeated the purpose also I do wonder about the nutritional value of things that have been canned because they get cooked for a long time at a really high temperature so I'm really moving away from the whole canning although I think it is a great um, homesteading skill to have and it is 
really well first of all it's really pretty to have all those jars there and it's certainly a fantastic zero energy way to store your food you know you apply the energy to can but then after that you just store on the shelves whereas my preferred method does require ongoing energy which is freezing I have been freezing and I'm planning to probably buy a larger freezer to do that more and I find that is better for us for a number of reasons. First of all, in a lot of ways it's quicker to do because you don't have to do the canning process, you can just freeze things almost as they are, you can just clean them up and put them in a jar or in a bag and freeze them if you put them in a jar make sure you leave adequate headspace or your jar will explode um but yeah so i find that that is just quicker most of the time also it's for me i find them more versatile again because of the necessity to keep in the ph uh, low in your cans if you're doing water bath canning then you're not supposed to add um, extra herbs or flavors to your sauce you're only supposed to really put your tomatoes in and then you can add the extra flavors like garlic and herbs afterwards when you thought when you get it out in your cooker when you open your can and that kind of is a little bit limiting whereas if you're freezing things you can mix all the ingredients you want now, the downside of freezing, as well as the fact that you need to have a freezer and you're going to be occupying some space there, is that you need to remember to thaw it. So it's not as quick. But I found I freeze in small containers. So say if I want some tomato sauce for my pasta, even if I've forgotten to throw the tomato sauce earlier in the day, I will just take it out as I'm boiling the water for the pasta and maybe sit it on top of the pot or near the pot that's boiling and it will be almost completely thawed by the time the pasta is ready and I can just put it in a pan briefly and usually it's ready to go. And same, for example, if I'm using it for pizza. And for fruit, which is the other thing that you can obviously freeze, is just such a good way to have frozen fruit. You can use it in smoothies and you can basically make um, slushies out of it and they're super healthy. The kids love them. It's a great resource to have frozen fruit. So that's really good. But the other advantage of freezing is that you can freeze other veggies as well, which you wouldn't be able to do with water bath canning. So, for example, this year we're going, well, we're already starting to have quite a surplus of zucchini and um, green beans. And so neither of those would be able to be canned with a water bath. They would need to be pressure canned. So I'm planning to freeze all of our extras. I'm planning to shred the zucchini, which I can then add later in a number of recipes, or I can just um, just the top, the um, cut the top and the end of the green beans, put them in the bag and freeze them that way. So that is my plan. But before I get to the freezer, I'm going to try to use as much as I can of the produce while it's fresh because let's face it, it just makes more sense. So I have been experimenting with a few things and I got pretty good at zucchini the last couple of years as well because we've had quite a few. Um, so some of my favorite zucchini recipes are of course the zudos. 
If you haven't had Zudos before, you're missing out. They are such a quick and easy way to eat zucchini. You can also do it with carrots and potentially cucumber, but that doesn't quite substitute quite as well. I really like it with zucchini because let's face it, zucchini are pretty much tasteless. So they just provide a substrate where you can add sauce and it tastes really good. Zudos are just a spiralized zucchini. So they look like um, spaghetti or fettuccine of some sort, uh, but they're made of vegetable. You can eat them raw, and we often do, or you can steam them lightly or lightly uh, blanch them and then add a sauce and treat them pretty much like pasta. So that is one of our favorite ways. Shredded are, is also really good. I just grate them and they go in so many places. So if you want them to add to a salad, for example, that's a great way of doing it. They're nice and small. Um, also, if you're using them for um, a zucchini bread and there's thousands of recipes online, so you can do both savory or uh, sweet breads and you can uh, easily use that for um, for using up your zucchini and you need to grate them to begin with. Uh, that is a really good resource. In fact, I just recently found a really good zucchini, oat and cinnamon muffin recipe, um, which um, I'm going to tell you because I think you should try it. This recipe is not my own at all. It's from Graceful Little Honeybee. And um, so thank you for this lovely recipe. Um, if you don't have a chance to write it down now, don't worry. You will be able to find it in my Instagram story highlights. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Tatum Hills, T-A-T-U-M Hills Farm. So the recipe is very easy. You will need one cup of shredded zucchini. Here it says half a cup of brown sugar and half a cup of normal sugar but I just had raw sugar so I put a cup of raw sugar instead a third of a cup of vegetable oil two eggs one teaspoon of vanilla extract I didn't have that so I didn't use it and they were still yummy one cup of flour and I had I did it half and half with wholemeal and white flour but I'm sure you can do just white flour half a cup of it says quick or old-fashioned oats. I just had rolled oats. I used those and they worked well for me. And half a teaspoon of baking powder, half a teaspoon of baking soda, half a teaspoon of salt and one teaspoon of cinnamon. And then you bake everything at about 100 degrees, 180 degrees or 350 Fahrenheit. I'm pretty sure the conversion is right. Never mind. It says 350 degrees here. Um, so basically I just mixed it all together and uh, pour it in my muffin tins. Now make sure if you do muffins, if you can help it, don't use disposable muffin liners. You can use silicone muffin trays or silicone muffin tray liners. And that way you don't produce waste, which is always a bonus. If you can, if you can't, never mind, but do consider it for next time. So these come out delicious. The kids love them and they're nut free, which means I can send them to school and school is resuming in a couple of weeks here in Australia. And so I'm thinking of things that I can make and freeze so some of these have gone to my freezer and then get out again when I need them for school lunches so I'm really happy with this recipe it will definitely um, be made again because we have so many zucchini 
So, yeah, like I said, you can bake with a lot of, with zucchini quite a bit. One of my favorite way of using them is to roast them. I just love roasted zucchini. I just cut them in whichever way I feel like and sprinkle them with olive oil and a bit of salt and out they go into the oven about 200 degrees celsius and when they're soft they come out and they're literally just like eating candy they're just so yummy so that is another way you can make them you can also make them into if you have large zucchini you can cut them in half lengthwise and scrape out the middle and then shred that middle and add if you eat meat you can add some mince i don't eat meat so i normally just add some beans and maybe some garlic or onion and maybe some capsicum or other veggies if i have them on hand corn would go really well and then put it all back in into the hollow zucchini half and then bake those i do like those but my family doesn't seem as enthusiastic so we don't make those quite as often um, certainly the baked ones go really really quickly so those are some of my favorite ways of using zucchini and then just recently I discovered another super sneaky way of giving the kids extra zucchini I actually made smoothies with them and I know it sounds horrific but really zucchinis don't taste like almost anything so if you put something a bit tasty in your smoothie then you can't tell that they're there. So the smoothie, I made two different types. One was really basic and it was just watermelon, water and zucchini. So that one, they did detect the zucchini a little bit, but it still went down pretty well. But the other one that everybody liked was made with mango, our plums that we have coming up quite strongly on our trees as well. Some zucchini and um, again watermelon because we just had a big watermelon around and water blended it all together and I think the creaminess and the strong flavor of the mango kind of really helped to hide the zucchini so that even my four-year-old ate and drank with no problem and then to make it even more appealing we made uh, popsicles with them and so then they were even happier to have it once it was frozen into a popsicle shape so that went really well and I suspect if you use banana in there too that is another thing that's creamy and flavorsome and would hide the zucchini really well so there that's another really easy and quick way of dealing with them and of course the most obvious way is just to chop them up and just saute them in a pan maybe with a bit of garlic or onion and um, a bit of olive oil until they just wilt down and you can use them as a side. So that's all the wisdom I have for zucchini. They're super versatile and they're coming on strong and we're really happy because the variety that we're growing, they're going really well. They don't become woody if they become bigger. So, you know, if you want more zucchini, you can get bigger zucchini and they still taste fine. So that's really good. And I've even discovered my goat blossom, my Milka, really love them the other three goats couldn't care less but she loves them so you know this morning she got a zucchini treat um the green beans and, and actually we have white beans and purple beans as well this year they're also coming on really strong and i normally just like to soak them in a pan most of my family likes to eat them raw but i'm not a huge fan so yeah if you want to eat them raw that's very easy you can maybe dip them into something but they just eat them like that um 
I prefer them cooked and I like them sautéed maybe with a little bit of sesame oil. That's sort of my favorite combination. The other day I found a recipe for baked green beans which I had never tried before so I gave that a go and usually I love any vegetable that's baked but to be honest they weren't bad but I actually prefer them steamed or sautéed so I don't think I'll be repeating the baked ones at all but I really hadn't thought of baking the green beans so there there's another option for you should you uh, require one now the other thing that we're going to be hopefully having a glut of is tomatoes and I know especially the zucchini and the tomatoes is something that a lot of people end up with heaps of because they're easy to grow and they're super prolific. A couple of years ago, last year was a complete write-off because we had the fires so um, it was so droughty and smoky and awful so we didn't have almost any tomatoes but the year before that um, we had a huge crop of tomatoes and so um, same with the previous few years and especially two years ago we were so happy because we actually managed to grow enough tomatoes for us to eat fresh during the season and we eat a lot of tomatoes and to put away enough in the freezer and we also canned some that year to last us throughout the whole of winter until the next crop so that was really exciting but things got pretty hectic towards the peak of the season and so what I ended up doing I would go to the patch with my pot directly and then pick all my tomatoes the majority of the ones we grow cherry tomatoes so pick them all with no leaves so they were ready to go put them in the pot directly whole as they were come back to the house give it a really good rinse sprinkle with a generous amount of olive oil and a little bit of salt and then just simmer them in the pot so I didn't have to cut I didn't have to do anything if there were a few bigger sized tomatoes um, sometimes I would cut them in four but sometimes I would just leave them and as they simmer they kind of disappear down and then once they were all simmered down I would just put them in containers label them and freeze them as they were and that's all I did and that was really good because it was so quick and easy and it really helped me to stay on top of it because I was doing this every single night for a couple of weeks so I really needed to find a quick way of dealing with this now I know you know I'm originally Italian and my nonna in the south of Italy used to have those passata days that you see um, around here as well um, now I know that a lot of people cringe at the fact that I'm not peeling the tomatoes and I'm not seeding them or anything but I have found that is not a problem for us we quite like a chunky sauce and if you prefer it smoother sometimes my kid asks for a smoother one I just take a bar mixer in it and I mix it all up and you really can't tell that there's um, any seeds or any uh, peels in there and really although we have the chickens and the compost so nothing would go to waste anyway why remove all that stuff at great effort when you know it is all nutritious so we just prefer to leave it there and that works really well for us so that's what we've mostly done um, with our glut 
Hopefully we'll have a huge crop of pumpkins this year as well. Um, we can see it coming and hopefully they'll continue to grow well. But I'm not too worried about those because unlike tomatoes and zucchini, they can keep for quite some time just in the kitchen or in, um, in a cool area of the house. So we'll see how we go with that. Uh, but for now, we're just really enjoying our beautiful zucchini and green beans and really counting the days. I picked one tomato the other day, but they're still not quite there. So we've got those and we've got lots and lots of plums coming as well. And with those, we tend to just eat them. And otherwise, we just get rid of the pit. And again, we freeze them to go into smoothies. Or my mother-in-law is really good at making jam. So we give them to her and they come back in the form of jam, which is very exciting. Um, but mostly we tend to freeze them or eat them um, fresh. So I hope this has given you a few ideas on what to do. And hopefully you will also have a really fantastic glut of veggies during your next growing season. And that's it for another episode of the Homesteading Roller Coaster. If you enjoyed the content, we'd love it if you subscribed. We'd also really appreciate a rating and review on your podcast platform. Or send us a message. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Tatum Hills Farm. That's T-A-T-U-M Hills Farm. Or on our website at www.tatumhillsfarm.com.au. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you.